Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Grace this morning. It's fall and there's lots of energy in our place here. It's the beginning of our church year after a summer of not seeing each other as much. As we come together again, it's good to meet each other, those we know and those we don't know. We see people drink coffee and also here in worship. So for the next five weeks, we'll do that by simply saying hi to those around us as we begin our worship. So you have the opportunity right now to do that. Say hi to each other and uh, introduce yourselves if you don't know each other. Just great. Thank you. <laughs> Lots of smiles. People saying hi and hopefully if you're new, you were able to attach a name to a new face this morning. Whew. This is our sanctuary where we meet God and we meet each other. We acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional territory of Indigenous and Métis peoples. With this acknowledgement also comes our search to live into right relations with all our neighbours and all creation. We ask for God's help to do this as we journey together. We'll pause for a minute for a life of the congregation, and there are a few announcements this morning. I'd ask that Mark would come up, and as he's coming up, this Saturday, September 30th, at 9 a.m., all women are invited to a ladies' breakfast. The cost is $5. If you have any questions, reach out to Kieran Mahi. Good morning. I want to begin by saying thank you to you for the years of generosity that you have shown to the Manitoba to Ecuador project. You have made incredibly positive, life-changing differences for many people in Puerto Lopez. And secondly, I want to invite you to consider being generous and making more life-changing differences for the people in Puerto Lopez. This fall, Manitoba to Ecuador is sponsoring an online auction. Thanks to the generosity of a number of people who are sitting in the pews here and a few others, we have a great number, we have 35 plus items that are available on an online auction site. For those of you who have given donations in the past, I sent you an email, which I understand opened up a little bit garbled, but hopefully the online link to the, uh, to the auction site is visible. 
For those who didn't get the email who are interested, I put letters on the back table. You're welcome to pick one up. And it's got a bit of information about what the auction is about, as well as the link to where the auction is happening. The auction I thought was going live tomorrow. It's already live, so you can take a look at the stuff and start bidding. There's also a donation button, and the auction will run until Thanksgiving Day, Monday, October 9th. So please consider making a difference in the lives of people in Puerto Lopez once again. Thanks, Mark. Now, Kyle has an announcement if he has a moment to come up. It was an announcement, a special announcement about somebody who's here. So we're going to save that for next week. The anticipation is going to be great. Um, but in the meanwhile, after church uh, this Sunday, if we're talking about Pangasi, if you have any questions or um, want to share some, hear some more stories, stick around, grab some coffee, come back into here, and I will share some stories. And those of us who have gone before will also tell you all that we saw in Pangasi. Sorry for the f weirdness, but the people aren't here. It was supposed to be a thing. <laughs> for all other announcements, just look in the church bulletin. It's full. Thank you. Wow. Beautiful bunch of people. Please stand as we sing, uh, what's it called? As we gather. The words will be up on the screen. We'll sing it through twice. Please join with me in prayer. Loving God, who acts in our lives and in our world, as we worship this morning, we start by asking, what do you want to show us? What is it that you want us to see? 
We trust that you are here with us and that through our worship, our hearts will beat more and more in tune with yours. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who came so that all of humanity might come to know the abundant life that comes from you. Amen. Please stand for a God of the Bible, number 420, if you'd like the books. Otherwise, it's up on the screen.
and number 11, Mountain of God, also on the screen. <coughs> For those of you that don't know, this song was composed by Phil Campbell Ensa, a former pastor at our church. He's been gone for quite a while now, but we love this song and a few others that he's written. Jesus said, let those with ears use them and listen. We'll now hear from Enid, Ariana, Olivia, and Simon. Good morning. <clears throat> so 
I was one of the OGs that had been up at Pangasi several times already. When I heard that OG, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm an, I'm an old guy. I'm one of the OGs. And I was promptly uh, corrected, no, it, OG means original gangsta. So <laughs> I'm one of the OGs in more ways than one. As we volunteers anticipated our week up in Pangasi, you here at Grace were asked to be part of the preparation. Many of you made cookies, dozens and dozens of them, or pulled pork and chili. And all of you were invited to pray. Pray for us, thank you. We loved the cookies. They were, <clears throat> they were gobbled up as our treat every afternoon, passed around to all who gathered on the beach under the trees. The chili and pulled pork fed the community. And I'll ask for the first slide often multiplying as we served well over 120 people. For one meal, we counted 160 of us. We held our breath and watched the food stretch to feed all, kind of like the five loaves and two fishes feeding the 5,000. And the prayers, your prayers. Well, what did your prayers produce? What did you pray for? And what became of your prayers? How did your praying show up as God's work among us for those six days? Here are a few images that I'm suggesting are answers or giftings as a result of your thoughts and prayers during our time in Pangasi. The next slide. New friends. We have new friends as a result of working together, laughing and having fun with each other, sharing space, eating and sleeping and playing together. This is a picture of Brenda, Debbie and I with Dorothy, a new friend and fellow kitchen helper. We were privileged to work with Dorothy and get to know her as we prepped food and also as we shared space in the newly built cabin. Some of you OGs will remember we only had one cabin and we, yeah, anyway, that's another, that was another uh, many years ago. Having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation one afternoon was a gift. It humbled us as we reflected on how becoming vulnerable and open with each other leads to mutual encouragement. Through your prayers, God's gifting to us of new relationships, friends who we now pray for because we have shared our stories together. And the next slide. Listening to stories of joy and pain, being listeners to disclosures of very difficult realities. Here we are laughing, blowing bubbles, and painting rocks. But what you don't see in this picture is that conversations are happening and that through compassionate listening amidst all the fun, trust begins to build and space opens up for the beginnings of healing and hope. Through your prayers, God's gifting to us of sacred moments right in the middle of a sunny morning on the rocks. And the next slide, reciprocal giving and receiving. So we here at Grace are no longer the ones that are bringing all the food. Violet and her crew of helpers, as well as a lot of food that is uh, purchased through CFS funds. Um, feed us bannock almost every day. She fed us bannock, moose stew, hamburger soup. Samantha's tried and true Pangasi menu, the menu that is planned for, was often added to by Violet and friends. Here is Sam offering the crew her Grandma Ev's coveted cream cookies. Grandma Ev and her five-gallon pail, uh, five pail of cream cookies that is always sent, offered as a Thanksgiving offering. 
through your prayers, God's gifting of abundance and generosity for all. And the last slide. Memories that comfort and encourage. So many wonderful memories are gifts that we were given. Here we are again, laughing, working, and enjoying good company at a time in history where we often feel tugged and pulled to either agree or disagree, when opinions and beliefs seem to tear us apart rather than draw us together, we were privileged to be able to spend time on another community's land, privileged to be invited to be curious about how their lives are unfolding. Through your prayers, God's gifting to us, lavishly, lovingly poured out, giving us love to share. Thank you so much for praying for us. I have gone to summer camp many years now. My counselors have always given me the best week by welcoming me, playing mafia, and making me feel important. At Pungasi, I got to be the counselor to the kids there and give them the best week. I made lots of memories with lots of different kids, but my favorites was with a little girl named Morningstar. She's a three-year-old girl, and she has a lot of independence. One day during lunch, she came up to me, and she threw her arm around me and pointed to something and looked scared. I don't know what she was pointing to or why she was so scared, but it made me feel important, and I'm sure it did for her, too. I was just sitting at home one day, and my mom got an email from Kyle saying that Ariana was invited to go to Pangasi this year, and she was allowed to invite one friend along, and Kyle was wondering if I would like to go along with her. And I said, sure. Didn't know what I was going to expect. Um, it was a very, very fun week. Um, lots, of, lots of swimming. Um, the water was very cold, but I still went in, I think, every day with all the kids, and constantly was being pulled off floaties and dunked underwater. Um, I also enjoyed the highlights and lowlights. Every evening, we would all meet around the, a big campfire and share our highlights and lowlights from the day, which was really um, important to me because I like to hear about all the stories that everybody else was experiencing. And I also got to go and venture into Pungasi Town, which was also um, a lifetime, a life-changing experience. Uh, I got to see where all these kids came from and where they have to live. Um, and then we went into a store, their only store there, and I also saw this morning star in there, and the best moment was when she recognized me, and she pointed at me, and she's like, she like gasps, and I was like, yeah, it's me, do you recognize me? And she did, and then I picked her up, and then she was, she's asking me, what's that, what's that? And I was like, that's apples, that's cereal, that's cheese. And I just, I just felt like a really special connection when I was there in Pangasi. Good morning. My name is Simon. And uh, today I just want to retell a story and a memory that I have from Pangasi. Uh, a bunch of us were playing beach volleyball, uh, counselors and kids alike. And one kid, a boy of about nine named Ronaldo, was causing a little bit of trouble. So, uh, Rebecca took him aside to read him a story, and one of the story options was a book called Simon and the Wind. And when he saw it, he pointed at it and said, Simon? This book is about Simon? It's like, yeah. 
So then uh, I kept on playing volleyball, but while I was doing that, uh, and he was reading the story, then every so often, he would come over to me and uh, show me a picture from the book, and he just would point at it and say, this is you and the wind, this is you and the clouds, this is you and the scarecrow. And that was just so nice and heartwarming that I had to share it with you today. Thank you. I would like to invite the children for a children's story. Come forward. Are we thumbs up or are we thumbs down? We are thumbs down. My whole children's story was going to be pictures of Pangasi, and they did not load up, so we're going to have to make this up on the spot. Come on down, children. Thumbs up from you. Perfect. I like your enthusiasm. So, you're all a little bit young to come to Pangasi family camp. Maybe you'll, you're not. Well, love the enthusiasm. Our Pangasi family camp starts the week before. We go to Superstore and we start buying food. And guess how many carts of food we bought this year? Eight. Any other guesses? Ten. Any other guesses? Fifteen. 365. 365. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go Lewis. Seven, Ken. Ten. Okay, yeah, this is going great. Yeah, SJ? Okay, okay, well, no, we bought nine full carts of food, not quite 275, but it was like a $3,000 bill. And I always ask the persons, what's the biggest bill you've ever had to run through the grocery store? And they always say, it's this one, and I'm very proud about that. <laughs> we had to take some planes to get to Pangasi. Float planes, how many of you have been on a float plane before? A few of you have, yep. Guess how many flights we had to take this, you know, I'm just going to tell you, we had to take five flights, but we had so many people and so much stuff that it didn't all fit on those first four, five flights. So they had to send an extra sixth flight with just our stuff. And our, my friends up there with me from Grace, they just, oh, we don't need this food until Thursday and we don't need that. So they were like on the air base sorting out what we needed the next day and what we needed in the future. And they decided that they were going to leave my pillow behind. It might have been stuffed in a, and, and or been labeled wrongly, but I did not have a pillow for three days, and I made sure that everybody knew that. In Pangasi, some of the things we do, how many of you like swimming? Yes, we swim a lot. How many of you like cliff jumping? Ooh, yeah. There's somebody here named Curtis. Curtis, where are you? Curtis is not young anymore, but he still thinks he is, and I appreciate this. He's like, hey, do you want to see the spider dive? And we're all like, what's the spider dive? And he's like, it's like Spider-Man. And he runs off the cliff, goes like this, grabs his ankles, and then right before he hits the water on his belly, he goes, whoop, tucks it all in and does a perfect no-splash dive. It's pretty exciting. How many of you like canoeing? We go canoeing a lot there too. All right, and food. You know what? This year from Pangasi, they sent more people to help with food and more food than ever. And you know what we ate a lot of? Fresh pickerel. How many of you have had pickerel before? Yes, we had fresh bannock. Do you know that one of our people named Ezra? Ezra, are you here? Oh, you're watching online. Good to know. We can talk about him then. Um, 
Ezra had never had pickerel before in his life, and he went and tried it. And then we went on a hike, and we found fresh blueberries and fresh raspberries, and Ezra had never had those either. So it was like a culinary delight for Ezra that week. His parents were very excited that his palate had expanded at Pangasi. We start every morning in Pangasi with prayers, and we end every evening in Pangasi with prayers, and those are very important. But there was a time where we, we built something called a sweat lodge, which is actually a way of praying. You build a little hut, and you put canvas over it, and you heat up some rocks, and you put the rocks in, and you pour water on it, and it steams. We might call it kind of like a sauna. So we spent 90 minutes praying in the sweat lodge, and it was a beautiful experience. And I hope that all of you get to experience that one day. And finally, one of the other activities that we did was called Angry Birds. Do any of you remember Angry Birds, the game? It's a little kind of old for some of you kids now. Yeah, you had to like throw slingshots and hit the pigs. Yeah, so we got a three-person slingshot. So Simon and Karina would hold it up as hard as they could, and then the kids would pull back, but they weren't throwing rocks because that's kind of dangerous. But we did buy dog toys from Dollarama. So the kids would pull back the slingshot and wee, and the dog toys make the noise. And we needed targets. And so we made little targets out of boxes. And then we realized that Will Lepke probably needed a haircut. And so we made Will hold the targets. And all of the kids got to shoot those little dog toys at Will, hoping that it would might skim his head and give him a little bit of a haircut. Is Will here today? There he is. Yeah, he needs a haircut. <laughs> and so one day, I will show you pictures of all of this. But in the meanwhile, we want to really thank you for all of your prayers and support. You got a haircut recently? It looks very nice. We want to thank you for all of your prayers and support, and I look forward to, in 10 years, taking all of you to Pangasi because we're going to have a great time there. Can we close in prayer? Let's pray. God, thank you for this great group of this church that takes care of all of us and does its best to be good neighbors and love our friends in Pangasi. Amen. Okay, kids, you can go to Children's Church. Um, it's the second week. The grade sevens and eights are staying here today because you are coming to Pangasi shortly and we want you to hear and see what's going on. But the rest of you, ages three through grade six, you can go to the foyer. I have my cousins here. Your cousins here? We're glad they're here. You can go to Children's Church. There were some really good pictures. That's my fault. Next time. Okay, and as the kids leave, I will give you an update on Children's Church that this is worth probably for our, our, for our congregation to know. Um, Fifteen years ago, we had about zero-ish, five-ish children in our church. Um, it was pretty low numbers, and uh, that is not our story now, as you can tell. I think last week we had between 40 and 50 kids trying to go to Children's Church. Um, but just so we all know, on Friday afternoon, I had a phone call with our Children's Church leaders, and we almost had to cancel Children's Church today because we didn't have enough teachers. One of the things we're trying to acknowledge is that we're all busy, and so we asked people to commit to one Sunday a month. And what that means then is that um, we need more people to teach less, and we don't have those more people. Um, so we found some quickly on Friday afternoon, so we're good for this Sunday, but I can't speak with confidence for the next few. So um, one of the things that we are trying to do at Grace, we're trying to find teachers, is we've kind of started asking 12 and 13-year-olds to help teach, and they are very enthusiastic teachers. Um, However, that means that they're not in their own children's church class. We're kind of pulling them out of the classes where they should be being taught to teach, which isn't ideal. And so um, we've talked about like canceling children's church, 
shrinking the age groups and not like starting later or ending earlier. Someone out loud to me on Friday wondered that maybe we need to look at the Sunday morning worship and coffee schedules of how this best works for us. And I was like, ooh, that's a congregational decision. And they said, yep. And so um, if you are interested in helping out, it's one, one, one Sunday a month. It's pretty plug and play. We've got a great curriculum. Um, just kind of show up and do your thing. And um, if you don't know who Steph and Marion are who are leading it, you know who I am, so find me after the service. Um, but I did want to tell you and everybody else and the parents that we are working hard at this and that caring for the children and their spiritual formation is like the entire church's responsibility, and we will keep you updated. But I will end on a positive note. Um, in terms of the number of children coming to Children's Church, our church conference in Manhattan Church, Manitoba, we have probably the most children of all of our church conferences coming. And uh, so this is a very good problem to have. Whereas 15 years ago, we had the no children problem. Now we have so many children problem, and we were glad to figure this one out together. So that's the update there. Thanks. Thanks, Kyle, for your encouragement for us to be involved. A very good problem to have but it needs our involvement. I'm going to read um, a psalm written by Megan Edwards, and it was read regularly while at Pongasi. Pongasi Psalm. Open my lips and my mouth shall declare your praise. You are the one who lets us live on your land. All our needs are met in you. You are the one who leads us to our work tools, barbecue tongs, chopping boards, cast iron pots, bubble blowers, beach balls, and inflatable rafts. You create rocky cliffs for jumping off of, spruce and pine to shelter and shade, patches of blueberries and raspberries in abundance, soft moss, sandy coves, and quiet blue water. At least it's quiet until the first boat of children arrives. If we stop and wait for you, you will restore our souls, our bodies, our minds, our patterns of thinking and knowing and reasoning and desiring. It is easier to stop and wait for you outside of our daily patterns away from cell towers and Netflix. We wait for you each morning in our collective prayers on the rocks, around the campfire, at the picnic tables. We wait for you in the evening, tired and sunburnt, together, in the cabin, away from vicious mosquitoes. We wait for you in the sweat lodge, where we enter a sacred place to pray, heal, meditate, and cleanse. Sometimes we walk through the shadows of brokenness. We are frozen. O Lord, hear our prayers. We have nothing to say. You remind us that your presence is everywhere in the cliffs, lakes, flowers, and faces of each person on the shore of this sandy cove. Even though it seems counterintuitive, we have no reason to fear. Hope melts the ice. You spread an abundant picnic for us on the cove for whoever happens to be on the shore at mealtime. Women, children are included at this picnic. Slices of apples, Earl's meat barbecued on the hottest of days, soft, fresh bread, rice with soy sauce and chopped vegetables, pancakes with freshly picked blueberries, oranges, 
soft cookies lovingly baked in advance. You are the host of the picnic. Everyone's cups are filled with sweet iced tea and water. When the picnic is over, you send leftovers on the boat to aunties, grandmothers, little sisters, and brothers. We are filled with goodness and love, filled to overflowing, filled with the smiling faces of toddlers on the beach. Uh, the wrinkled faces of grandmothers sitting at the picnic table, taking all in. The laughter, play, and splashing of children of all ages. Your mercy and kindness will follow us back to Steinbeck, and we will live on your estate for always. Amen. Ezekiel 40, 40 says, 44 says, the man said to me, mortal, look closely and listen attentively and set your mind upon all that I shall show you. For you were brought here in order that I might show it to you. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. We'll hear from Curtis and Zach. You'll hear from Curtis. Um, first of all, thank you to the Grace community for allowing me to join your wonderful venture. And Magwitch to the people of Pangasi. What a great thing when two communities get together and they share the common good between them. I have three words to describe this, my first Pangasi experience. Chaos, joy, peace. Chaos. Kyle warned us that none of our plans would survive first contact with the children. And it was so true. The plans were fluid, and they actually just got better with the energy that the kids provided. And why did that happen? Why were we able to take um, great plans and make them even better? And it was apparent that somebody had gone before us. Uh, God had gone before us, but also the OGs. And by this I do mean the old guys, the old guard. Uh, it was very apparent that somebody had gone before and had spent many years building up trust and relationship within the community of Pangasi. It was, it was immediately felt that we were welcomed. And so the Grace-Pangasi connection, I hope it will continue because the chaos that it provides is just beautiful. Joy. What a great adventure to meet an entire new community and get a sense of what their lives are like. And despite what looks like, from the outside, social dysfunction, I loved watching the Pangasi kids play with each other. I loved the interaction between adults and children within the community. And we were so privileged to be able to be a part of that, and privileged to make new friends. In my case, it wasn't just friends with the, with the children. Uh, I felt I had a real good connection with the community men who were there. Uh, there was a group of old men, older men. They were all younger than I. 
I'm a real OG. Uh, a group of men who were there to do maintenance and to do building. And they warmed up to me very quickly. We didn't say much, but we did things together, and, and I felt welcomed among them. But some of the greatest joys were getting to know my new and better Grace friends. Um, this is a great bunch of people, and it is wonderful that we are connected together in this great and beautiful enterprise, the Pangasi Experience. Peace. I am a problem solver. That's how I have lived my life. That was my career. But my problem-solving personality had to get put into the back closet on the very first day. I learned that though the problems of Pangasi are many, we were not there to solve them. We were there to play, to listen, to fellowship, to develop relationship, to build community. And what a joy it was to be able to nurture relationships and to recognize the kingdom of God in the very simple act of just being there. Will Debbie and I go again? Almost certainly. I'm going to use this one. I'm not Zach, um, but I do know the story Zach was going to share, and it is worth telling. Zach first came to Pangasi about 10 years ago when he finished grade 9. And there was a camper there named Percy, who would have been seven, eight-ish. And then this year, we hadn't gone to Pangasi in a while because of pandemic and floods. And so we showed up, and when the kids were registering, a kid says, oh, my name's Percy. And I look up from my paper, and I look up, and I look up. And he is now six foot five and 250 pounds. <laughs> and Percy came back to camp this year as a representative from the chief and council, one of their youth workers. And he said, 10 years ago, I was in a canoe with Zach and with Paul Priest. And I remember how that canoe ride made me feel. And now I want to come back and give that to some of the kids here. And then we just kind of melted and said, we plant seeds years ago, and sometimes we get to see them grow. Not always, but sometimes when they do, it is a thing of beauty. We're going to learn a new song. You might say, oh, I've heard this song before, but you've never sung it, so here we go. It's called <coughs> I Will Stand in the Congregation. You will hear the instrumentalist play through it once, and then we will sing one verse by ourselves. And if all goes well, the words will pop up after that, and you will join us, okay? So please stand. <coughs>
speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We'll hear from Rod, Brenda, and Kyle. Good morning. Well, we've been hearing about OGs, <laughs> and uh, it's been a few years that I've been hearing about Pungasi, and it's been a lot longer than that since I was last at camp. In fact, I was trying to calculate, and I think it's 40 years. And I know age is just a number, but that number made me feel pretty old. And uh, I know this camp is different, but generally summer camp is the domain of, young and, of the young and energetic. So why did I sign up? Well, that question was discussed in my home, and uh, you might be surprised to hear some of the comments. My son, who is home for the summer, rather acerbically noted that I was heading up north to colonize. And uh, I thought he was joking, but still, yeah, you know, that 
was I? I mean, and I responded quite forcefully. In fact, it was just the opposite. I said, I'm, I'm heading up there to try to counter the effects of colonization. I want to do my small part to be part of the process of re reconciliation, whatever that will be and whatever that looks like. And I don't know that, but somehow that was in my head. And I would have to add that Kyle is a great salesperson. He described beachfront living, relaxed mornings with plenty of coffee, no overnight duties, so quiet sunsets. I packed three good books. and uh, I never opened one. I did see Dennis had a book open once or twice during the week. I don't know if he actually got anything read, but I, I didn't. Uh, so anyway, yes. What was it like? What were the highlights and memorable moments? And there were many, and some of mine will sound like some you've heard already today. Did we make any steps on the path to reconciliation? Well, there's far, for many to, far too many for me to share them all. And Curtis already said something like this, but I, I was thinking about this, and I thought, I, if I was Kyle, I'd call my talk Cliff Jumping, Perseveration, and Feeding the 5,000, or something like that. But I'll, I'll focus on two meaningful things, uh, two things that were very meaningful to me during the week. And, and for, one, for me, as it was for others, one of the highlights turned out to be the many deep, thought-provoking conversations I had with other staff. What an interesting group of people it was that came together to spend this week together and make it happen. And what a lot of work it took. I'm speaking, of course, of many of the people you've heard here this morning, but not exclusively so. For example, I spent one morning running the fishing activity with Tyler Prince. And if you remember that picture at the beginning, oh, it's in the bulletins. Uh, he's the guy at the back flexing. He's a big man. And uh, he's an indigenous youth worker. So he shared some of his life and experiences with me. And it turns out that we both studied the same things at university. And I admired his commitment to indigenous youth and his calm demeanor as he worked with him. And I was also fascinated by the fact that he played football with Nick Dembski at Oak Park High School. So, interesting morning. Enjoyed him. In terms of the amount of work necessary to make this camp work, I'll use a feeding example. Just making meals in relatively primitive conditions requires so much time and people, but it leaves time for conversations. I sometimes describe myself as someone who inhabits the world of ideas. And for me, this was a rich and exhausting week. So many things to think about and so many ideas to roll around in my head all night long. I wanted to mention one specific conversation, even though maybe it was more me talking at somebody than a conversation. But one night at our highlights and lowlights session, one of our staff spoke up. And I should note that this is an individual who has been deeply wounded by organized religion. And he, excuse me, he carries those scars with him. And he said something like, I'm so glad that there's no religion at this camp. I thought I could do this without being emotional. But All we are doing is just pouring love into these kids. And some, in some ways, he was right. We had no chapel, no devotions with the kids, no altar calls. We didn't even sing choruses or say grace before meals. And my brain started rolling this around. Karen says I perseverate. Pouring love into kids is not religion. Is this true? 
And I know evolutionary psychologists and sociologists will debate whether altruistic love even exists, but I'm not quite there yet. Maybe if they were your own biological children, it is the case, but a week like this, what does it even mean for a camp to be religious in nature? And I wondered if such a comment was more a reflection of how someone themselves had experienced religion. I rolled those questions around for quite a while. I perseverated. The next morning, it just happened that this person and I stood side by side as we fried bacon on the barbecue, and I challenged his comment. As I said, maybe it was just me talking, not a conversation. In any case, I told him I thought he was wrong, and that, in fact, this camp was all about religion. Us cooking that bacon was an act of religion. People cleaning the portable toilets was an act of religion. Painting rocks and making wristbands and jumping off cliffs with the kids was an act of religion. We poured a lot of love and groceries into those kids, many of whose life experience has been less than ideal. Surely this pouring can be an act of religion. And I argued that what he was experiencing here was true religion and good religion. I don't know if I've oversimplified this. Do we all have different motivations? Is feeding and loving kids sorry, an act of faith? Is persecution of minorities ever really a religious act? A sociologist might have the answers. Maybe we can find one. Secondly, I wanted to say a word about food. And I know Enid talked about this already. And I know that this is a church that knows a lot about feeding people. I love the part that food played in this week. I love food myself. I buy a lot of food. I enjoy eating, so I eat a lot of food. And I do the work of feeding my family, so I don't take meals for granted. My eyes were opened in a new way to the challenges of feeding people in a place like this. How do you do it? Well, here's how we did it. First, we put an urban planner in charge. <laughs> no commercial cooking experience or training is necessary here. And then we turned shopping into what sounded like a youth event, except that Curtis Cron was also involved. And <laughs> as noted, he's not a youth. And we put out a call for volunteers to cook and freeze and donate food ahead of time. How much will we get? Someone probably knows. How much will we need? I don't know if anybody knows. We provided no running water or stainless steel workstations. We did provide two barbecues and two propane burners, some big pots and lots of helpful people. We added interest to the challenge by leaving several hundred pounds of food in Bisset for a day or two, some of which was needed for the next day's breakfast. Well, the planes were too small. It was either people or groceries. Oh, and Kyle's pillow was noted. But <laughs> we, uh, we were a people-first organization. We brought the people. And we don't tell you how many people you will need to feed. You just feed whoever comes. That sounds somewhat biblical. I think Kyle counted over 160 people, adults and children, on Saturday. Somehow it worked. I never went hungry, and for that I give credit where it is due. 
Patrick gets credit for showing me where the cookies were stored and helping guide me through the... Some of you know Patrick. Uh, and for helping guide me through the unnecessary feelings of guilt that I sometimes experience when pilfering a cookie or two. Thank you for teaching me about freedom, Patrick. Sam gets credit for her organizational skills and cool head in what could be an extremely stressful environment. Thank you, Sam, for your leadership and for giving me a job when I felt the need to be useful. Our Pungasi friends get credit. Violet and Doris get credit for adding a delicious moose stew to the mix one evening and for frying up the fish that Tyler caught on another. Daryl gets credit for showing up with his carafe of Tim's coffee when we struggle to produce enough camp coffee to pacify the masses. I will say that Daryl cheated. He used a generator to run his coffee production system. <laughs> the whole staff gets credit for pitching in. My goodness, people pitched in. Everybody did any job doing, and you, the people at Grace, get credit. When I saw that mountain of chili, pulled pork, and cookies loaded into coolers and then into the trailer for the trip to Bisset, I realized in a new way that this camp is the work of an entire church. I would argue that those of you who helped prepare that mountain of food were also practicing a religion that is good and true. Because when we feed someone, it is based on love for our neighbors. It is both a highly symbolic act and a practical act of love. Preparing it and serving it and cleaning it up later was a huge part of the week, so thank you. And finally, what about reconciliation? Did any of that happen? Well, as I said, I'm not sure what that will look like or how it will work. But as I've thought about it since camp, I've decided one thing. I will hold to, and that is that reconciliation will always benefit from selfless acts of love. And I witnessed four days full of those. So yes, I believe we contributed in some way to the large task that we've named reconciliation. I just want to say amen to all the things that have been shared so far. It's, it's part of what we all experience there. I read a quote from Richard Rohr, and I thought it applied here too. It says, Jesus never once talked about attending church services, but he talked constantly about healing the sick and feeding the hungry. And that is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Something that has lingered in me from our week at Pangasi at the end of July is the sense I felt there that this is what it means to be a church community. I didn't think of it that much during the busy working time of the day while cutting fruits or vegetables or other meal preparations, handing out food, or while running to the lake shore to get another pail of water for washing our pots and pans and food prep dishes and coffee mugs. But in the evening, after sharing our highlights and lowlights of the day around the campfire, when I laid down my very tired body and aching body on a comfortable mattress in a new second cabin, ah, that we, as senior women, were privileged to use that as our sleeping quarters, then I would have a deep sense of how our multi-aged group of people representing Grace Church working together in a common cause for the purpose of being God's light bearers with a local community, having meaningful interactions and activities with the children and families for a week, 
Oh, that must be a little bit like the church in Acts when they said we were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I highly value the interaction I had with youth and all the others from our extended congregation. What others have said already, the connections we have now with the people who were just in the pews or maybe we'd pass them in the hallway. They're huggable, <laughs> you know. Now we, we know each other in a new way. Uh, that would not, uh, I might not even know these people or have gotten to know them if I hadn't spent this week with them at Pangasi. I sincerely believe that we made a difference in the lives of children and families in Pangasi. But we also made connections with others in our own church community here. And that, diff- that connection will make a difference in all of our lives. I was very privileged to be a part of the Pagassi family this year and on two other occasions that we could be church together. We have heard a lot and seen a lot, and so I will wrap this up with three things. Number one, gratitude. Raise your hand if you have been to Pangasi Family Camp once in the past 14 years, 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I went through all of my old files, and over the years, there's been 88 of us have gone up, which is way more than I thought. So my next question, in the past 13 years, if you have sent anything with us, chili, taco, coolers, life jackets, paddles, tarps, cookies, anything, raise your hand if you've sent something. Hmm, that's what I thought. None of this, and none of this includes the money in the church budget. So my first posture is one of gratitude for all of you and for all of us together. This summer, as you've heard, some of us have even used the word life-changing, and without all of us showing up and pulling in the same direction, this doesn't happen. Which is a good segue to number two. I was talking to the CFS director in Pangasi. Her name is Sam, CFS Sam, not Chef Sam. And we were sharing some history about Pangasi and how we all ended up there. And she said to me, Kyle, generally speaking, Pangasi doesn't like outsiders. And I looked around at camp and people making bannock and the moose stew and the cliff jumping and the group making the sweat lodge and, the, and Brenda going tubing. She says, I was sore. She went tubing. <laughs> and the laughter everywhere. Oh, the laughter. And I said to CFS Sam, I said, but if Pangasi doesn't like outsiders, why do they like us? To which she said, oh, that's easy. You are no longer outsiders. And then I was thinking about 88 people coming for 13 years and all of the love and food and prayers that we bring with us. And I made a realization. Only a church can do this. Ashley and I and our kids are involved in all sorts of things. Curling, piano, volleyball, frisbee, swamp donkey adventure racing, escape rooms, schools, cross-country track meets, soccer teams, family gatherings, fishing, book clubs. That doesn't include the things that you are involved in. Supper clubs and golf and hockey and choirs and all sorts of other good things that we do with our lives. And of all the ways that we organize ourselves to show up and share our gifts, only a church can do what we do in Pengasi time and the money and the commitment and the years and the donations and the prayers. Only a church. Only the church and our commitment to the kingdom of God can show up and do camp for 13 years. 
Number three, Disney. That's a segue, huh? One of the workers there looked at our group and she said to us, you know that this week is like Disney to these kids, right? That the kids were calling at seven in the morning wondering when camp was starting. We were all still sleeping. <laughs> this week, you bring Disney to Pengasi. And I thought, oh, that'll preach. <laughs> what do we model to our kids and our teens and young adults in our church? That the point of life is to go to Disney with our kids and grandkids? Or the point of life is to bring Disney to the kids and grandkids in Pengasi? I do know what I'm saying, and it's not an either or. And my kids have been to Disney, and they might go again. Don't tell them. So feel free to call me a hypocrite. But you see it though, right? What's the story that drives us? Go to Disney in Florida or go to Disney in Pengasi? Later in our week in Pengasi, the big boss of Southeast CFS, she showed up unexpectedly, and I was like, oh boy, churches and things, and I got to went to go suck up a little bit. And I was talking to her about camp and Pengasi and how we got here, and she looked around and said, do you do this camp more than once a week in the summer? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm tired. <laughs> she says, oh, that's too bad, because all of the communities I work with could use this. We received an open, an open invitation to nine reserves in Manitoba, nine of the most traumatized communities in our province with some of the worst poverty and self-harm rates in the country. We want you. That, that invitation is a testament to this place and this church and this congregation and our faith, and it is beautiful. Because the story that drives us is not only one of giving our kids the best experiences in the world. The story that drives those of us who follow Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God, where Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon those who preach the good news to the poor and freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. In the sweat lodge that night, on Tuesday, the first day, we were praying. If you want to see things clearly, get into a sweat lodge for 90 minutes in the dark and pray. We were packed in there like sardines, just sweating. Dennis Hebert said, and I'm going to use my professor voice, I've spent my entire life looking for intense spiritual experiences, and I think that this sweat lodge is the most. In the sweat lodge, we were going around the circle saying our prayers, and the leader of the sweat was an indigenous man named Wally Chartrand, and he started offering his prayers. And he said, we pray for the murdered and missing indigenous women and girls, and those, who remain in, those whose remains are currently in the landfill. We pray for our relatives on the street. We pray for our relatives in jail because of colonization. We pray for all the kids in foster care. We pray for all the victims of residential schools and the 60s scoops. We pray for all the people whom we have lost because of addictions, like my own daughter. You want to cut through and see things clearly? Get into a sweat lodge and start praying. And just like that, all of us were crying, <laughs> asking God for help in our own relationships, in our own stories, in our own pain, in our own need for forgiveness. There was no pretense. There was no, I'm okay, you're okay. There was no masks. There was just raw vulnerability and tears and love and hugs. Words like, we got you. Words like, God's got you. We got each other. If we want to see clearly about what the point of life is, if we want to see God's activity in our lives and the world for us and for our grandkids, I will say unequivocally and unapologetically 
that God can be seen and found with infinitely more ease when we sit with and spend time with and physically locate ourselves to the marginalized and to the poor and to the traumatized and the powerless and the outsider and the victim and the suffering and the grieving and those whose lives are hard and not put together and hanging on by a thread. And those places are hard to find in our lives because we are busy doing so many other good things. And the best part about that is that if we come to church to serve the poor, if we hang around long enough, if we're honest enough, if we sit in front of that mirror long enough, we will actually realize that we are the poor and that we are desperately in need of salvation. It may seem counterintuitive, but we will see God and find God and name God much clearer at Disney and Pangasi than almost anywhere else. You heard that today, didn't you? So sign up now, my friends. We are going on a church trip next July. Book it off. We are going to Disney in Pangasi, and there is a seat saved for you on those planes. What a full morning we've had so far. Let's pray together. Loving God, we come to you today aware of your power and presence. Thank you for these words we've heard about Pangasi and the many ways that your light and love is being shared. We pray for the church in Pangasi that they may continue to be a blessing to their community. We also pray for good relationships between settler and indigenous communities, both in Canada and around the world. Generous God, your grace reaches out to all of us. You call us to live as your followers. Strengthen us to live in awareness of your presence in gratitude. May we continue to offer our lives in service to you who has shown us what is good where the last are first and the first are last, and there is grace enough for all. Father God, you're the source and sustainer of life. We pray for those in our community who use the resources that help with their lives on a daily basis. May those who receive and those who give find common ground between them and be blessed. Now we consider it a privilege to bring our gifts to you today. We present our offerings with thanksgiving and joy, releasing a portion of our money, materials, time, and abilities back to you. Amen.
Please stand as we send each other forth with God's blessing. Number 812, if you need the number. Please be seated for the benediction. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, what did we see this morning? What did you show us this past hour? We offer a word of thanks to God for what we saw and for God being active in our lives. As we go now into the week, may the constant presence of Christ inspire us and encourage us as we stand for love, for healing, for the good, for the diverse unity of the body of Christ and all creation, because we know this is what God desires. Amen. <laughs>